electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Pam Phillips and Gary Triano, their charmed life makes others green with envy. The public saw them as a power couple. They saw her as beautiful. They saw him as charismatic. He's a mega-millionaire developer. She's a socialite. But don't envy them, because the money isn't his. He owed a lot of people a lot of money and declared bankruptcy. So Gary had a lot of enemies. And when greed takes hold of their marriage, is there anything they won't do for money? I am very serious about this. You're going to be very serious when you sit in a woman's prison for murder. In Tucson, Arizona, it seems like every swing of the hammer or pull of the slot machine lever has something to do with Gary Triano. Triano is a developer and bingo hall pioneer back in Tucson's go-go days of the 1980s. Rusty Sands is Triano's good friend and former partner. At that time, he was very, very, very successful. He was one of the originators of bingo on Indian reservations. Bingo! They started making a lot, a lot of money every month. Triano is well known around Tucson for his wealth and his larger-than-life personality. Very self-assured, very flamboyant, liked the center of attention, but could typically back it up. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to be around. In 1985, Triano catches the eye of a local real estate agent named Pamela Phillips who was newly divorced from her first husband. Pam socializes with Gary at parties thrown by him and his wife, and they become friends. Well, she was a sexy lady, and she made herself available. I believe Gary was very smitten. Soon, the married Triano becomes enamored with Phillips, and the two begin an affair. Within months, Triano files for divorce from his first wife with whom he has two children. Less than a year after ending his first marriage, Gary and Pam marry on a yacht in San Diego. It was a fantastic wedding. It was a black tie type of a wedding and champagne and anything you wanted to drink was flowing. It was beautiful, beautiful wedding. The adoring couple seems to have it all, love, happiness, and lots of money. No one could imagine then how it would all go so wrong within a few years. As it turned out, I guess it was the biggest mistake he ever made in his life. But during the good years, Gary and Pam live in high style. They have two children together and purchase a home in Tucson's affluent Skyline Country Club, where they host their wealthy and famous friends. Kerry Drobin is an author and criminal defense attorney who spent a year researching the couple for her book, A Socialite Scorn. 
They ran around with the likes of Donald Trump. They would go to their estate in Mar-a-Lago. They had two Jaguars. They lived in this beautiful house. They thought nothing of jet-setting off to, you know, some exotic locale for the weekend. That was the lifestyle that they created and wanted people to see them as. Then, in the late 1980s, Tucson's economic tide begins to turn, and Gary Triano's fortune starts washing away. First, the real estate market crashes. Triano is highly leveraged, so when real estate values drop, he owes more than he's worth. So Triano turns toward heavier investment in gaming. As the management company for tribal bingo halls, Triano skims a percentage of all receipts. But in the early 90s, Arizona's Indian gaming laws change so that Native American tribes can retain all the income from gaming on their reservations. Gary lost the contract with the Indians. They went into their own casino. He got cut out of that. So he therefore lost a lot of money at that time. His income plummets 93% in one year, and it only goes downhill from there. He owed a lot of people a lot of money. Some of those people were very bad people. He owed money to a group of northern Mexican investors to tune $2.6 million. Their attorney had told him, if you file bankruptcy, these people will kill you. Despite the warning, he goes ahead and files for bankruptcy in 1994 with an estimated $26 million in debt. Meanwhile, his wife Pam, who was a very successful real estate agent in her own right, doesn't know the extent of Gary's troubles. In fact, what is really striking about it is Pam comes into this marriage with $2 million. They visit a bankruptcy attorney together, and she has probably this cold dawning when she's sitting in the office realizing, oh my God, what have I done? She discovers at that time that Gary is nothing that the public perceives him to be. He has 74 pending lawsuits. He owes his attorney $97,000. He owes his former wife $1.8 million. He is indebted to everyone with no means of paying anything back. So all of a sudden, she's plummeted into this world that she never wanted. Once she learns just how much debt her once high-rolling husband has gotten himself into, Pam Phillips files for divorce. And in a little over a month, it's finalized. Pam is awarded the house. But things get even worse between the former golden couple when Pam decides to leave town with their two children. She sold the house and recouped the proceeds. It was about $300,000. She did that while Gary was off on a weekend jaunt with someone else. So it was sort of a, a stick it to you, I'm gonna take what's mine, what she felt she was entitled to, and she fled to Aspen. Gary Triano is alone in Tucson with a mountain of debt. On the afternoon of November 1st, 1996, Gary plays golf at his favorite course, La Paloma Country Club. Though he shoots well, it may be his last time playing here. He owes the club months of past dues, and they want him out. It's been quite a fall, but his problems will soon be over. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. On the last day of his life, Gary Triano golfs his favorite course at La Paloma Country Club in Tucson. Gary Triano was a creature of habit, and that was sort of his trademark. He golfed a certain day of the week at a certain time and with a certain partner. Triano plays 18 holes. Then he makes the walk to his parking spot, as he's done so many times before. Only this time, there is someone watching and lying in wait. Someone who has placed a blue bag on Gary's passenger seat. Authorities believe Gary reaches over to pick up the bag, and it's the last move he ever makes. Gary Triano just shy of his 53rd birthday, is killed instantly. His watch permanently stopped at 5.38 p.m. There were lights flashing, emergency vehicles everywhere. It was surreal that something of this magnitude could happen in Tucson and in one of the most prestigious sides of town. Pima County Sheriff's Detective James Gamber arrives on the scene and begins collecting evidence from the debris. The roof had been torn off of it, it was riddled with holes from shrapnel. Door panels were blown out. The rear window and the windshield were blown out. In fact, we recovered the windshield in a swimming pool about 70 feet away that had to travel over trees that were like 20 feet tall. The bomb squad determines that the explosive device was a simple, if lethal, one. It was a pipe bomb that was initiated by a remote control. We know that the remote control had to be within a quarter of a mile. There is no shortage of rumors floating through town about who could be responsible. NBC affiliate KVOA's crime reporter Lupita Murillo covers the case. During the initial investigation, everybody was saying it was a mob hit. It was a mob hit. Gary Triano didn't borrow from banks. He owed money to individuals, some with questionable reputations. What's more, given his background in the gaming industry and the gangland style of the murder, police naturally think of organized crime. We, at this point, don't have any specific suspects. We have a lot of circumstances. Uh, surrounding his personal relationships and some of his business dealings uh, that I think uh, would lead any reasonable police officer to conclude that uh, people might have motives for murder. He was in desperate, desperate financial circumstances personally. Police also look closer to home. Detective Keith St. John interviews Gary's ex-wife, Pam Phillips, now living with their two children in Aspen, Colorado struggling to get back on her feet. Pam was strikingly attractive. She came across as self-assured. Obviously, 
She was used to money, but she also was cooperative. She sat down with me on three separate occasions and talked. Pam Phillips is the beneficiary of a $2 million life insurance policy on Gary. And two months after Gary's death, she receives the money. In my mind, there wasn't enough evidence to say she's a suspect. After about eight months, the Gary Triano murder case goes cold and stays that way for nearly 10 years. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. In the Gary Triano murder case, the trail is cold. But Tucson police will discover a fresh lead. It's in 1994, two years before the murder. The newly divorced Pam Phillips moves with her two children to Aspen, Colorado. Living on the $300,000 in proceeds from the sale of her Tucson home, she sets about making a name for herself in a new town away from her ex-husband. She moved to a very affluent neighborhood in Aspen and needed to find a way to make ends meet. And she did that again by relying on friends and making her alliances with wealthy people because she certainly didn't slow down when she moved to Aspen. But establishing herself as a realtor in Aspen is harder than she expects. And her lifestyle exceeds her means. Her passion lies with a startup business she creates called Starbabies.com, a website that she claims will predict the futures of newborns. Pam believes the fledgling company could grow to be worth millions, but she can't do it on her own. And that's when she enlists the help of her neighbor, a self-described business consultant named Ron Young. Rick Ucklesbay is a Pima County deputy attorney. He was a very bright individual, and he had become close to Pam Phillips in Aspen. And Ron Young began to uh, become involved in Pam Phillips' financial life to a great extent. The two also begin a romantic relationship, even though Ron Young is hardly the sort of man Pam usually goes after. He was unsophisticated, not attractive, not wealthy. He couldn't take her to the locales that she was used to. But Pam is clearly getting something out of the deal. In addition to business help, she leans on Ron when it comes to her troubled relationship with her ex. She complained incessantly about Gary. She complained that he didn't pay her enough in child support or in spousal maintenance and he considered himself a problem solver, a fixer. And so he would come up with ways where she could solve the problem, the Gary problem. He actually called it the 800-pound gorilla problem. Yet by April 1996, things turned sour. 
After two of Ron Young's other business clients report him for fraud, Pam Phillips follows suit, reporting to police that Ron Young is also ripping her off in her Star Babies business. James Crowley, a detective for the Aspen police, tries to locate Ron Young. He was already gone. He rented a van at the Aspen airport, and that was the last we heard of him. In his absence, Young is charged with two counts of theft and two counts of forgery, and a warrant is issued for his arrest. Two months later, Crowley gets a call from Yorba Linda, California. Ron Young's rented van has been found, parked near his parents' home. Yorba Linda contacted me and said that Ron had been at the impound yard trying to recover the van, and when he was told that the police were on the way, he, he left and left the van behind. Crowley flies to Yorba Linda to inspect the van. Inside, he finds some interesting documents. There were business documents from Star Babies, divorce paperwork from between Gary Triano and Pamela Phillips. There are also maps of Tucson, hotel receipts from Tucson, a stolen Arizona license plate, and a shotgun inside. Crowley isn't sure what to make of the evidence. Until two weeks later, when he hears about a car bombing murder in Tucson, Arizona. I come into work the, the morning after the car bombing, and it's in, on the front page of the newspaper. And it didn't hit me quite at first. So I was like, Gary Triano, Gary Triano. And it's like, oh my God. This has got to have something to do with it. I mean, with the map, between the map of Tucson, the guy's got a taser in the car, he's got a shotgun in the car, he's got all of this paperwork between Gary and Pam. I mean, he's got to have something to do with this. So Crowley then calls us, which makes the connection for us. Then when we question Pam, she minimizes Ron Young and says, oh, no, he's just a guy that did a little financial work for me. And then later on, what we find, based on the hotel receipt, is that Ron Young was in Tucson in June and July for about 18 days. While police cannot place Young in Tucson in November when the murder occurred, they want to know what he was doing there in the months prior, especially since he has no ties to Tucson and no apparent law-abiding reason to be there. But detectives can't ask him these questions because he's nowhere to be found. We were depending on the fugitive warrant from Aspen for that to lead to Young's arrest so we could confront him. Meanwhile, Pam Phillips collects a payout from Gary's life insurance policy, $2 million. If Pam has been building a castle in the sky, $2 million allows her to put a foundation under it. She bought a house in Meadowood, which is a subdivision just outside of town, remodeled the house, and started living the lifestyle that she was accustomed to. She went to lots of social engagements at night, she was skiing a lot. She was known as a real social jet-setter, moving in circles with very wealthy people. For 10 years, Phillips lives the good life in Aspen, while Ron Young stays out of sight. In 2005, Pima County, Arizona Sheriff's Detective James Gamber is assigned to work the department's unsolved murder cases. 
One of the most infamous is the 1996 car bombing of Gary Triano. Nine years later, Gamber digs the massive case file out of storage. So this is the paper case file of the Triano case. It contains about 300,000 pages of paperwork. As you can tell, it's endless files. This isn't Gamber's first shot at the Triano case. He also worked the original investigation. Well, we eliminated all the suspects that Gary's friends, families, and even his enemies gave us. There was but one suspect that Gamber feels he wasn't able to eliminate, Ron Young, Colorado businessman and one-time boyfriend of Gary's ex-wife, Pam Phillips, who has been a fugitive for nine years. What we were left with was the one anomaly, and that was Ron Young. All the details that we found in Ron Young's van, and then Pam's denial or minimization of their relationship. But Ron was on the run. He had the fraud charges out of Aspen. We couldn't find him. So until we found him, we were stuck. Gamber and an ATF colleague reach out to America's Most Wanted and convince the show to do a story on Ron Young. It airs on November 19th, 2005. Ron Young's chiropractor recognized him, knew he had a standing appointment, so he called into America's Most Wanted. When Young shows up for his adjustment at the Pompano Beach, Florida chiropractor's office, police are waiting to take him down. Michael, hand your back. Find your back. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name, man? I asked you your name. Ron Young. Huh? Ron Young. And the goal was to put him into custody on the Colorado fraud charges and for us to talk to him about the Gary Triano murder. Young denies any involvement in Triano's murder, and he gives police consent to search his home, car, and storage locker, where they find an unexpected trove of evidence. They found about four large boxes worth of evidence, a lot of paper records, a computer, and some micro cassettes. We put one of those micro cassettes into a recorder, and there's Ron Young talking to Pam Phillips. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm in Walmart, shopping like a mad woman to get back to the kids who are swimming on their own with a bunch of fat, gross bodies down at the uh, Glenwood Springs pool. <laughs> nice place, huh? Oh, jeez. And it's not just one conversation. Police find recordings of 500 calls and 100 emails between Young and Phillips spanning eight years. The topics are wide-ranging, but mainly, they talk about money. I just, uh, um, you know, with you, I want to help you out. I just want to be at our original agreement, and, and I will honor that, and I will try to get you as much and as quick as I possibly can. It seems that Pam Phillips is making regular cash payments to her former boyfriend. Pam sends Ron the money via FedEx. She even gives him the tracking numbers. Hi, um, let's see. I have a number for you. I'm sending a FedEx. Uh, it's 8127. I, um, I mailed something. Let's see, I put it in the box. It is 8071-3864. And I did it, you know, priority overnight. Such a good day in the morning. Ron Young records it all on audio tape 
and on spreadsheets. I, um, I uh, mailed you something that takes care of January, February, and all of March. For as smart as Ron Young was alleged to have been, he kept an enormous amount of material that ultimately led to his downfall. This surreptitious transfer of money directed at Ron's direction went on for about 10 years, and we were able to prove 44 transactions. When people get greedy, it's good for police and prosecutors because they began to turn on each other in these phone conversations. Well, I don't want to loan money for somebody for, for uh, most of a decade. Look, can I finish it? Can I finish a sentence? 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 Will you allow me to finish a sentence? At one point in their relationship, Pam begins to fall behind in payments which angers Ron Young. If you sent, if you sent my money, if you sent my money up, my, my principal. I am not going to keep sending you more money unless I know that you can honor our agreement. Uh, okay. Hold it up and I will get you the balance. In some exchanges, the amount of money they discuss equals the life insurance policy Pam collected after Gary's death. $2 million. He goes, you got your 1.6, I want my four. Well, that conveniently adds up to 2 million, but this conversation postdates the murder. It's way after the murder, which to me says there was a prearrangement. In other words, you kill Gary, I'll get $2 million, and I'll give you 400,000. Right now, I wanna know, and I'm gonna go figure out what it is, and I'm gonna try to figure out how to get it to you. But right now, I want to know that we are capping it at four. I don't want this nebulous thing out there that we're supposedly supposed to... It's not nebulous. It, I don't want anything past our agreement. I am very serious about this. Well, I tell you, you're going to be very serious. When you sit in a women's prison for murdering, when you sit in a women's prison for murder... Hang up, I'll be back at four. You know, you're going to be really sad. I'm going to be back at four. No, you're going to be in prison for murder. We listened to those tapes over and over again, and we, we tried to come up with alternative theories to explain why these two people told each other you could be in prison for murder. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's just no other reasonable alternative explanation uh, for those conversations. I helped you on something that was, you know, beyond what anybody else in the world would probably do. And I. I think that deserves some consideration. Since you're living off the benefits of it, you know. The emails, the FedEx connection, the banking transactions, the phone calls, it becomes so obvious. I can't put Ron Young at the murder scene. I can't put Pam Phillips at the murder scene. I can't show either one of them making the device. But when you look at all that circumstantial evidence, this all becomes a fact. On October 16, 2008, Young and Phillips are indicted for first-degree murder. Pam Phillips is under indictment for the 1996 murder of her ex-husband, Gary Triano. But she's living openly here, on the shores of Lake Lugano in Switzerland, where she has been trying to escape the past. Pam had gone to visit her daughter, who was going to college in Lugano, Switzerland. She started dating a rather wealthy man there, which 
in my opinion, gave her reason to stay. Phillips might feel safe in the country famous for its neutrality. That's because Switzerland, like many European countries, will not extradite suspects who could face the death penalty. Then they made the announcement that we were dropping the death penalty. Unfortunately, that was made publicly, so Pam got the clue to run. So when the police in Switzerland went to the hotel room where we knew she was staying, she was gone. U.S. authorities work with Swiss police to try to get Pam back to the States. Meanwhile, nearly 6,000 miles away in Tucson, Arizona, Ron Young stands trial, accused of conspiring with Pam to kill Triano. The prosecution's case rests squarely on the audio recordings between Young and Phillips that Ron Young himself recorded and saved. In an exclusive interview with American Greed, Young claims that he can explain everything. Uh, I'm absolutely innocent. I did not participate, did not plan. I never heard Pamela discuss anything like this. Absolutely, completely, 100% innocent. Young says he left Aspen in 1996 on a long driving vacation with his son, not because he was fleeing fraud charges, and that once he found out he was charged, the only reason he didn't go back to Aspen is because he thought it wasn't that big a deal. As far as how smart any of this was, it was incredibly stupid. Uh, I had never been in trouble with the law, so I had absolutely no experience with the police or the criminal activity. I figured it would go away, and I just ignored it. As it turned out, eventually, came back and kicked me in the As for the $2 million Phillips and Young discuss in the audio tapes, Young claims that figure has nothing to do with Triano's life insurance payout. He says it's $2 million of equity Pam is tied up in a San Diego real estate development, a portion of which he believes is owed to him. I was played lawyer, I played accountant, I played financial advisor, business consultant. What I had done is saved her a fortune in professional fees. As much as the defense tried to suggest that there were innocent reasons for these conversations taking place, I think that when you listen to their voices, I think it's very clear they're talking about the murder. I have not talked to a soul. I have not talked to a soul. And nobody's contacted you. And nobody's contacted me. No. Okay. And, you know, if I had to kill myself and go to my grave and not say word after that. <laughs> but I'm just so miserable. Though they have no direct evidence tying Ron Young to the crime scene, detectives can place the Aspen-based businessman in Tucson. We had no eyewitnesses who saw Ron Young in the parking lot that day. However, we did have Ron Young here in Tucson in July before the murder on an assumed name for over two weeks. I felt that that was strong circumstantial evidence that he was here to stalk and find out which would be the best way to kill Gary Triano. 
Will the jury see it the same way? In March 2010, Young awaits the verdict. We, the jury, do find the defendant, Ronald Kelly Young, guilty of the offense of first-degree murder. I was in shock, just totally in shock, because I allowed myself to be convinced of my lawyer's encouragement that there would be no conviction. Six weeks later, the judge sentences Young to two consecutive life sentences. The defendant is hereby committed to the custody of the Department of Corrections as of this day. Now, Tucson authorities need to find Pam Phillips, who is somewhere in Europe, so she can have her day in court. Between Interpol and the police in Geneva, the criminal brigade, they did a lot of work, and they tracked her to Liechtenstein and then into Vienna. And then the police in Vienna arrested her on our arrest warrant. In July 2010, Pam Phillips lands at the Tucson airport. Now 53 years old, she appears worn and tired from her journey. KBOA reporter Lupita Murillo is there to try to get answers. Your reaction, Pam, to what investigators say that uh, you hired Ronald Young to kill your ex-husband? What's your Never reaction to that? The insurance money, word. is that true? Just kept looking straight ahead. The only thing she said to me as she got into a squad car was, it's rather warm here. Well, it got a lot hotter after that. Phillips is booked on charges of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Brought back to Arizona from Switzerland, Pamela Phillips pleads not guilty to the charges of murdering her husband, Gary Triano, for insurance money. And on February 18, 2014, Phillips' trial begins. The prosecution builds its case upon money, greed, and audio tape. It's a circumstantial case that the defense team attempts to pick apart. What they proved at trial, and the only thing they proved, that there was a connection between Ronald Young and Pam Phillips, and it was a financial connection. That's all they proved. That doesn't prove that they had anything to do with the murder. Pam Phillips' defense attorneys, Alicia Kata and Paul Eckerstrom, say that Pam wasn't even paying the premiums on the life insurance policy, that another friend had offered to take over the monthly payments because Pam was in financial straits. And the month before Gary's murder, she forgot to make the payment. If you're going to kill somebody for the insurance money, aren't you going to make sure that the premiums are paid and the insurance is all up to date and that you will get the money if this happens? And that didn't happen with Pam. Over the course of working with Pam Phillips, Eckerstrom and Katah become true believers in her innocence. The evidence you're going to hear is going to convince you not only my client is innocent, but that Ron Young is innocent. We felt that we had to do a, a thorough investigation to build a case that somebody else did it. And we basically, I think, solved the case. The defense team orders new tests on the pipe bomb fragments that killed Gary Triano and are able to acquire trace amounts of DNA. And it excluded Ronald Young, the person that the prosecution said built the bomb and killed Gary Triano for Pam. He was excluded from the trace DNA that we found. Uh, that's reasonable doubt right there. The defense team then takes it even further, presenting an alternate suspect. 
Well, there's an individual named Neil McNeese who Gary Triano had ripped off for about $80,000 and was very angry at Gary for doing that. And he was a heroin addict. He was a, a trust baby. He, he had a lot of money and had this thing about uh, Gary because of, of the fact that Gary built him out of $80,000. And I think ultimately it was him who had ordered this to happen, had a hit team put together, and had a friend of his build the bomb that killed Gary. And uh, we were able to identify all, of that, all, all those people. At trial, McNeese's private doctor, Lawrence D'Antonio, testifies that he heard McNeese threaten to kill Gary Triano on several occasions. What did he say about Gary Triano during this period of time? He wanted to kill him. But the problem is, Neil McNeese died of a drug overdose in 2002, and he was never investigated by Tucson police. As with any investigation, you go back and look at it over time, and there's always things that could have been done either differently, or should have been done differently, or leads that could have been pursued, and for whatever reason, or not. And the defense went to great lengths to investigate Mr. McNeese, and the best they could come up with is that he didn't like Gary Triano. He had a friend who knew about remote control cars, and he told people that he would like to kill Gary Triano. But that was over, over a, a, ring, a debt over a ring. But when you look at that, the debt over the ring ha occurred in 1991. He waited until 1996 to have him killed. Prosecutor Rick Unclesbay points to the money trail and says greed is on both ends of it. The 44 cash payments from Pam Phillips to Ron Young, made over the course of 10 years, total more than $400,000. But the prosecutor has one more bit of evidence, and it proves to be a bombshell. He calls to the stand Pam's former close friend, Laura Chapman. She testified that Gary had been over to Pam's house. They'd had a fight. Gary pulled a gun to Pam Phillips threatened her. He left. She called her friends. They came over. They were consoling her. And that's when she said there is a $2 million insurance policy. She said that she should just hire a hitman, have, have, have him taken out. A few years later, Chapman is driving home when she sees smoke in the Tucson foothills and learns about Gary Triana's death. Pam's earlier talk about hiring a hitman now echoes in her mind. I remember saying, oh my gosh, she really did it. I think that was the nail in the coffin, so to speak. At the end of the seven-week trial, the jury has heard from more than 100 witnesses, and they have two completely different theories on who killed Gary Triano and why. What will they decide? On April 8, 2014, Pam Phillips waits to hear her verdict. Do you find the defendant, Pamela Ann Phillips, guilty of first-degree murder as alleged in count to an indictment? On May 22, 2014, Phillips is brought into the courtroom shackled to await her fate. She has traded her designer clothes for a state-issued orange jumpsuit. The judge sentences her to natural life in prison without the possibility of parole. Upon hearing her sentence, Philip stands and addresses the court. I just want everybody to know that I am innocent. I am innocent. I am innocent, okay? And I'm really, really 
This is hard. It's so hard for me. It's a nightmare. This is a nightmare. I've never had somebody where I went to trial thinking that they were innocent lose a trial. And this one she did. And it wasn't just I thought she was innocent. This one I was absolutely convinced she was innocent from the evidence that we had dug up. Both Phillips and Ron Young are appealing their convictions. But author Carrie Drobin says she believes justice has been served. It's really a story about two sociopaths. They didn't have empathy for people. They knew how to manipulate people. They had one goal in mind, and that was to satiate their hunger, to have money, and to have more of it. And that is the quintessential element of being a sociopath, that you just would have no remorse, no empathy whatsoever that you have just murdered the father of your children in such a heinous way. Gary Triano's good friend Rusty Sands also has no doubt that Pam Phillips is right where she belongs. She's going to live the rest of her life in a place that she's not used to. She only likes to go to five-star hotels. She wouldn't go to a four-star hotel. Well, she's not in a hotel anymore. And I think she's going to live the rest of her life out a very, very sad life. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.